Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at TechAdvisor. I'm your host, Don Preston, joined as ever by Henry and Lewis. Hello. Evening. Morning. How are you guys doing now that we are officially in December, at the end of the year? Advent calendars open? Uh, I forgot this morning. I do have one. Um, (laughs) It was a gift from a phone company. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Which phone company gave you an advent calendar? And where's Uh, mine? Why didn't they give me one? Yeah. You got a huge box of things yesterday, dog. Um, uh, from one from one plus. Thanks, one plus. Um, didn't know you had my address. Thank you for sending it to me. Uh, I'm just glad because this is basically the week that we are furthest away from Black Friday. Um, yes. So that's that's good. That's nice. <laughs> that's a, well, that's a nice way to look at it. On the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a good week. I think it's just. Uh, I mean, I would say it's been a good week, but then I spent the majority of today also writing more deal stuff. So I feel like it's not we're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> There's always a deal. There's always more. We're never short of deals. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically the end of the year. Spotify wrapped it out, which, uh, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, means the calendar year is functionally We're over. Done. And there's nothing left to do for the next month or so. <laughs> um, so we figured we would take the excuse to follow Spotify's lead and do our 2022 wrapped. Uh, take a look at what's come out this year, what we liked, what we didn't like, what surprise does, things like that. Uh, looking at phones mostly, but we'll branch out a little bit more than that. Um, so that'll be what we're talking about today. It will probably end up being a slightly shorter episode than usual, but we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, quick note, we would have been talking about the Xiaomi 13 today, probably, um, but the launch was delayed. Um, the death of a form... Well, Xiaomi hasn't said this is why. Xiaomi and um, Huawei and Aiku all delayed product launches that were due to take place this week in China. None of them really said why, but a um, fairly senior former Chinese government official just died this week, and everyone thinks that is probably why all these postponements have suddenly happened, given the timing. Um, But the Xiaomi 13 should have arrived today. It has not. It will probably arrive soon. Xiaomi hasn't announced a date for that yet. I think we're still expecting to see it this month. Uh, fingers crossed it happens within the next week and then we can talk about the Xiaomi 13 and 13 Pro on next week's episode of the show uh, because that will be our last one for the year but I don't know, there's definitely a chance it comes out later in the month and we just don't really get to chat about it here uh, but keep an eye out for that uh, other other news bits because I accidentally just sort of wandered into my first news segment there without really meaning to um, OnePlus has uh, kind of thrown a shot across the bow of Google by announcing that it is committing to four Android version updates for selected devices from 2023 onwards, mm-hmm. uh, which of course matches what Samsung delivers and exceeds what Google promises for its Pixel phones. Um, Henry, this is also this uh, a sort of slight subtlety to the detail here, if, if I'm right, which is yes. that they've said four Android versions as opposed to four years of Android updates. In the wording, yeah, it's implying that you'll get four versions because it depends when a phone comes out as to whether four years would actually mean four platform updates, but I believe it will be four. And as you mentioned, it's only on select phones. Uh, OnePlus wouldn't tell me which. I think it's safe to assume that, you know, your quote-unquote flagship phones will get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the moment, if we look at some clues, the 10 Pro and the 10T, as well as the Nord... Actually, no, that's not true. Only those two, sorry, <laughs> get the current three and four okay. uh, years of updates, and then it's going to go up to four and five. And they also haven't confirmed whether it will be 
retroactively apply to existing handsets, but I think my gut is probably not. Yeah. Um, so, so it's plausible that for all the fuss around the announcement, all this really refers to is the 11 and the 11T. Whatever the they end months. up being called. Yeah. Probably, yes. Um, Better than nothing. See. Better than nothing, though. And I mean, this, this has to add to the pressure for Google to start doing this, right? It was one yeah. thing that it was just Samsung, but now we've got OnePlus also kind of firmly committing to this for its flagship. At some point, Google has to catch up. It can't be Suppose. left behind <laughs> Google, on its own platform. Google did bump the Pixel to five years of security this year, but mm -hmm. it remains on three uh, platform updates. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess... I guess people don't know about it beyond nerd circles. <laughs> so as long as they're keeping people secure, I suppose people don't really care en masse about the version, but it's still a good thing for OnePlus to do, I think, given we uh, re often review flagship phones, Sony, uh, who only provide two and don't care. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good to see it getting better across the board. Uh, what else we got? Gorilla Glass. Uh, Corning released Gorilla Glass Victus 2 the follow-up to Victus and Victus Plus. Uh, so this is the latest, best Gorilla Glass standard out there. That is what you will probably start to see on some flagship phones rolling out across the next year. Uh, the big stuff Gorilla Glass are talking about this is basically that this time they've been designing specifically around concrete, which is apparently rougher and a bit more jagged than other surfaces. So now Gorilla Glass Victus 2 phones should be able to survive a one meter drop on concrete surfaces. And which two meters onto asphalt, which I thought uh -huh. was a, a funny uh, way of breaking it down. And then yeah. I uh, looked at it today, and unless I uh, have m misread what it said, they did all this testing, but on surfaces that only simulate those two. Uh, <laughs> yes, using why wouldn't you just drop to simulate it? I, mean, I was a little confused by that. Why wouldn't as you well? just drop it on concrete? Because yeah. they probably do that and be like, "Oh, it broke." Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> Corning can't afford to get through that many phones trying to get, you know, get through the testing. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I guess this is this is good. It, 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 I don't know how much of a difference you really get between the different phones versions. Phones break by a case. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You're always going to have a screen protector on. Um, Actually, I hate screen protectors. One. I never use screen protectors. Do you not? No. I take them off if they're pre-applied and then Whoa, never, put really? them on, never, never put them on. No, I just pick up so many micro scratches. It, I'm not. I don't. You know, think about that for like the big drops. It's just the little yeah. nicks you get, just even putting it in your pocket or whatever. Yeah, right? that's my issue. All my screens get so scratched up. I, I was sort of in a, a a briefing with someone a little while ago. I can't remember which company, but we were talking about the device, and they said, "Oh, it's got Gorilla Glass." And I said, "Oh, does it come with a pre-applied screen protector?" And they're like, "Oh no, no, because it's got Gorilla Glass. <laughs> you don't need one." And I was just thinking, "Yeah, you do. <laughs> You're you still going to get scratched to hell." Uh, it's it's good for drops. There's also, I think, uh, uh, Glass, Corning spoke about this a bit in the announcement of Victus 2, but there is a tension between building glass to be shatterproof versus yeah. scratch-proof, and they're kind of almost diametrically opposed in the qualities you yeah. want, and so it's I very think, difficult um, to, to, to make it work for both. Apple's ceramic shield comes under a bit of scrutiny for this because it's yep. supposedly less shatterproof, but... Uh, well, <laughs> it might just be my wife, but there are gouges on her iPhone 13, <laughs> 13 screen, which I don't think would happen on older versions, but who knows? Yeah, always a trade-off. Uh, but yeah, so look, keep an eye out for Gorilla Glass Victors 2. You will start seeing that pop up on high-end phones for 2023 and onwards. Maybe even on some we'll see before the end of the year, like the Xiaomi 13. I don't know, but um, we'll keep an eye out. Uh, what else? Pixel 7a renders, the first sort of CAD-based designs of what leakers think the Pixel 7a will look like. If you imagine a cross between the Pixel 6a 
and the Pixel 7, you are not a million miles off <laughs> from what people think the Pixel 7a will look like. There is not a single surprise to be had in these designs. So you probably don't need to rush to go look. Picture what you think the 7a looks like. You've got it right. That's what it looks like. <laughs> I promise. I was very skeptical about this CAD render because, like you've said, they've taken the back of one and the front of the other one and then put it online. <laughs> so whether or not that is, uh, as you say, as predictable as Google's going to be, uh, or if they actually have a source, but yeah, it's probably going to be correct. I, I would be surprised if we saw anything particularly weirder or more novel from Google for for the next A series. It just doesn't mm -hmm. seem seem too likely. Um, and finally, I guess we should probably touch on all of this Twitter rubbish this week. Uh, Elon Musk kind of picked and then very quickly ended a fight with Apple for no obvious reason. He began tweeting about how Apple was threatening, was an enemy of free speech and they were threatening to pull Twitter off the App Store and that he started complaining about the 30% cut they take from things. He tagged Tim Cook in at least one tweet asking what the deal was. He accused Apple of pulling all their funding from Twitter's advertising and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then yesterday he just tweeted out a little video of the Apple campus and said, oh, it's really nice here. Thanks, Tim Cook. Turns out Apple wasn't planning to kick us off anyway. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, he, uh, everything's for an effect. I, I have a feeling that behind the scenes, he's actually fairly measured, and then this is very performative. Mm -hmm. Like saying that the 30% uh, tax, he called it like secret tax or something. Yes. Despite the fact that there's tax. been a, tw like since 2020, Epic has had that <laughs> very public. There have been like, Senate hearings about this. It like. has been more public than ever before. We've chatted about it at least five times. Oh, it's yeah. one of the minutiae of tech that might even be household knowledge because there's been so much to do with it, particularly in the US. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I fell up with Elon Musk, but uh, yep. yeah, apparently it was um, yeah it was in, it was inflammatory enough that Tim Cook had to get him round for tea and mm -hmm. tell him that it was all it was all okay. It, I mean, it did briefly look like we might be getting the closest we could get to genuinely the end of Twitter because I know that's been one of those things everyone's <laughs> been talking about for a while. Like, oh, Twitter's going yeah. on post or whatever. But if he really did decide to go down the epic route, pick the fight with Apple over the thirty percent cut, which kind of looked like what he was building towards. Apple would not back down on that for Twitter's sake, and then it would maybe get booted off the App Store like Fortnite was, and realistically for Twitter, that would be that, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously, it looks like that is not at all what's happening, but there was that moment where you thought, oh, if it does end, th this is how. <laughs> this, this is, is the way Twitter goes. Yeah. yeah, which he probably knows, so it's weird that he picked that fight. Yeah, I think he's got to be... Again, I think you said there's an element of performativeness, in it, especially in the way you saw... People sort of in his replies saying, you know, oh, you should just build your own phone. And he was saying, like, yeah, maybe I will. <laughs> uh, and words to that effect. And, you you, you know, there's been rumors about a Tesla phone for years. But even Elon must know that, A, he can't just throw a phone out in the world and expect a hit. And B, that would not solve the Twitter's not available on iPhones no. problem, which is a death blow for any social network. Uh, okay, let's turn to... Talking about, you know, what's happened this year. We've got a sort of, you know, load of stuff we're going to rattle through, uh, chatting about what we all think. I think we're just going to start with a big one, though. What is the best phone of 2022? This is... We're going to we're gonna have afterwards sort of the personal favourite, the, you know, no yeah. strings, money's no object one. But what's the best sort of, you know, factoring in bang for your buck? What should someone actually go and buy? Uh, let's start with you, Henry. Uh, yep. Yeah. 
I think the best phone that's come out in this calendar year of 2022 is the Pixel 7 Pro. I think it's too big and it's a bit uggers, but uh, it is the most well-rounded phone I think that I've used uh, and also try to take into account other phones out there as well that I'm aware of. But for me, uh, it is, it's got the, it's got, it's just improved everything that was great about the Pixel 6 Pro. Um, it's got my favorite camera on it. And I also think, I know we're going to talk about our personal faves in a minute, but I think it is objectively one of the best camera systems on a phone, uh, particularly when you don't really have to try and it makes everyone look like a good photographer. That's always a good good sell. Oh, yes. Uh, the, <laughs> the screen's very good. The battery life is much better than I've used on a Pixel before. Um, the software is very well refined now. It is a little bit buggy. I do have a bug when I use it. Um, where the notifications on the lock screen get cut off a bit, so that is my one one of my one of the annoying things about it. But I think that it still is the most rounded Android phone out there, and I would tend towards Android usually. Um, so I would say that that is my favourite. Nice. Good choice, Lewis. What about you? Uh, I mean, it comes as no surprise I am Mr. Apple. <laughs> so my pick is the iPhone 14 Pro specifically, not the Pro Max, a little bit too expensive. Uh, but the 14 Pro, because it's just compared to the iPhone 13 Pro, it's you know, there's a lot of new stuff on there. You've got that always on display tech, which is totally new for Apple. And it's just it's a nice implementation of it. It's different from what you get on Android. Uh, and then you've also got the dynamic island stuff where they take what is, you know, traditionally been seen as a as a downside and turned it into a feature, which I think is pretty unique. Um, and of course, then, then you've got that upgraded 48 megapixel camera on the rear, which is just a spicy upgrade uh, compared to last year. And it's just a nice phone to use. You know, it's, it's about the right size, I think. And um, even though they haven't really changed up the design much in the last few years, I think it still looks quite nice. But I think there is there's definitely scope for change there. Um, but generally, I think it is the, the iPhone for most people if you do want like the best iPhone experience. Cool. I am equally going to be unsurprising. So I'm <laughs> going to caveat this by saying that actually I found this one of the hardest ones to decide. And right. yeah. I did settle on the boring answer. But I really thought long and hard about it. And it, it was very hesitant. Um, but I am going to say the Z Flip 4. I have to. Um, I... It's the only phone I've used this year that I was very, very sad to have to give back. I immediately wished I could just stop swapping into other review devices <laughs> and just stick with that one. Um, it obviously has drawbacks, but really the only main one now is just the cameras are good, but not at all at the best around level. Yeah. But they're good enough now. The battery life is good enough. I never had any battery stress. I obviously love that design. Um, I hesitate a little over durability, but I think for the price, for what you get from it, for the sort of the usability and the the portability that it has and just the fun factor i i just you know it is a lot of fun it's a phone that makes me happy so you know and and i think it's at a point now where i think it can i can happily recommend it to people and if people were coming to me and saying hey i've got a grand i want to buy a phone the first one out of my mouth would be look give the z flip 4 a proper look you know it may not be for everyone but i would say go have a look see if it's for you because i don't think you're giving up on too much to make that choice anymore. Mm, mm, nice. Yeah, I haven't used that one, but I was very enamored with the the Flip 3, and the most annoying thing about it for me was the, the not very good battery life. So, yeah. The, the, yeah, the one thing I'd say is that we haven't yet got to the point where we found out if everyone's has broken, because my mate bought a <laughs> Flip 3, and I, less than a year in, the screen, like, cracked yeah. a lot along the crease. So, But you are right, it's a very nice phone. 
Yeah. So I'm going to turn now to personal favorites, which is a bit more of the, not necessarily the one you'd recommend people buy, but the one that mm-hmm. you just love. I mean, really boring and just get mine out of the way because I've gone for the Fit <laughs> 4 as well. And this right. is why I hesitated because I was like, I can't do the same one for both. But I knew immediately it was the one I wanted for this kind of, you know, you can spend whatever you want. Money's not an object. So I obviously buy this one. Like, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Then I kind of said, well, what's the sensible choice? And I began to think, well, it's kind of the sensible choice too. This is annoying. <laughs> I thought but, yeah. uh, you were going to say Vivo X80 Pro for one of these. It was on the shortlist. It was on the shortlist. Um, yeah, I think the Flip 4, the reason I kind of also put it in this category is because there is that durability problem. And that's my one hesitation. That was the reason I nearly didn't put it as best because I thought I'm hesitant. I think someone could spend a grand and find it breaks in a year. And yeah. that's a big problem. Um but if you're in that kind of money's no object thing, then it's like if you can afford to just grab one of these and you don't have to think about that and you know you can afford to replace it, repair it, whatever, then if that stress is gone, that's not going to be a problem for you. No, just buy this phone. It's great. Plus, you could, it. you could drop and break any £1,000 phone as well. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is people forget we talk about the durability with the foldables, but actually on dropping them, they are... I think generally more durable than the slabs because the glass isn't exposed. Yeah. You know, yeah. I did drop my Flip 3 on, you know, of me to drop onto cobbles, which I would have expected to smash most phones. Flip 3 took it, tiny little dent in the hinge, absolutely fine, kept on going for another year. So there is the durability goes both ways, I guess. Sure. Lewis, what about you? What's your, you know? Well, I think so- I'm going to keep this foldable train going. Um, yeah, with the Oppo Find N. Mm-hmm. it's just it's the one phone that i keep thinking about i was so sad when that one went back it was just i mean it was one of the first kind of big screen foldables i got to spend a lot of time with um but after spending time with the galaxy z fold 4 it's still my favorite of the two um with that slightly more kind of narrow um form factor when it's unfolded um and it's just a nice clean close so you don't get all the dust and stuff in the middle of the screens that you get with the samsung um i mean yeah obviously you can't actually buy it in this country so that's why it's just a personal favorite, but it's one <laughs> yeah. that that I think about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you hopefully don't have too long for the sequel. Everyone says that one's coming in a couple of weeks' time. So, fingers crossed. Know, fingers crossed. <laughs> and, and that's officially a maybe for coming to Europe. Ooh. So, you know, Hello. the odds are improving. I like the sound of that. <laughs> Henry, what about you? Personal favorite? I had a question about this uh, question. Um, mm. Does the phone have to be a phone that came out this year, or is it just Ooh. the phone that I, my favorite phone that I used this year? Oh, interesting. I'm happy to hear what your rogue old <laughs> yeah. phone choices. Let's do it. Okay, my personal favorite phone uh, that I've used this year is last year's iPhone 13 Mini. I knew you were going to say interesting. that. Interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's the phone that my SIM card is currently in. And the phone I keep going back to, despite having reviewed a lot of, uh, well, two of this year's iPhones, uh, the 14 and the 14 Plus, um, and many Android phones as well. I did have a different answer if you weren't going to let me have this cheeky answer. Uh, (laughs) But it's just, it's the correct size for a telephone to be. (laughs) Uh, And I also have really small hands. So to go from a 14 Plus that was one of the last things I reviewed back down to this was uh, just like putting on the correct pair of shoes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, and for me, um, I am a, sp- a bit of a spec-, spec nerd and part of me does want to be like, but you don't have a telephoto lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got a 60 hertz screen. Um, you know, if you use it loads, you might get battery anxiety and all of those things are true. But also I just love the size. It's great. So um, that's genuinely 
were. I, when I get that. It. I I think I might talk about it later, but I very nearly had the uh, this year's Asus Zen phone. Oh yeah, in one of these. That's one of the phones that was in my head for these two categories because, again, the size of it is fantastic. I love that small phone size, and it marries that with a lot of those twenty twenty two specs you would expect on the Android yeah, side. For sure. What was your twenty twenty two answer going to be? Ah, very quickly. Um, because of the feelings it evokes in me, were the, was the uh, the OnePlus Ten T. What feelings? Yeah, evoked old OnePlus, <laughs> old OnePlus feelings. It was the phone that felt most like old OnePlus, given that you had genuine top tier specs. It, it launched with the eight plus Gen one, uh -huh. tons of RAM. Uh, the screen was very good. It was a flat screen, um, um, but and it sacrificed a few things as well. But I, I kind of thought if I had to recommend like an Android phone and people didn't, didn't want to spend a grand, six hundred quid or so, I think. I, for me, that was the one that's just all felt like old OnePlus, and so I quite enjoyed using that phone. So that would have been my pick. Interesting. Interesting choice. Okay. We're going to try and keep things mostly pretty positive, I think. Oh, yes. But <laughs> we are going to talk about the worst phone that we've each kind of used or experienced this You've year. You've got one, Dom. What is it? What's the worst phone? I've got one. I almost feel a bit mean, but it's the <laughs> Huawei Nova 10 Pro. Ooh. The last phone you I reviewed. reviewed recently. <laughs> and it's not that it's an awful, awful, awful phone, but it's this the space Wabi is in right now, right? Where for reasons outside of their control, they can't do 5G and they can't give you the software experience that you would expect or want from those kind of devices. What they can do is still give you incredible jaw-dropping hardware where they can throw out camera systems that blow your mind in their flagships. They have to do really, really slick foldable hardware on, on the sort of the P50 Pocket and the main yeah. XS2 and things like that. And they can maybe overcome the limitations that you've got, or at least can be exciting to play around with and interesting to try because they're doing novel things and pushing things forward. The Nova 10 Pro is just an okay upper mid-range phone that doesn't have 5G or Google. <laughs> and you look at it and just say, why? Why does this yeah. exist? Why does this exist in the West? Why did it ever get yeah. a Western release? No one would buy this. The Mate 50 Pro, yeah, someone out there is going to go and buy that because it does stuff no other phone does, and that makes it interesting. Yeah. For some people, it will overcome the limitations. No one in Europe is going to buy the Nova 10 Pro because it's pointless. It's an average mid-ranger with two big gaping holes in its spec sheet that turn it into a terrible mid-ranger that's still fairly expensive for what it is. I was going to say, it's £600, isn't it? Yeah, it's Ooh. not cheap. It's not affordable. No way. Um, and all it hinges on is some good selfie cameras, which are good, but not that good. Yeah. Not good enough to overcome everything else that the phone lacks and no. is missing. Um, so, you know, Huawei phones are always hard to recommend <laughs> now for obvious reasons, but this one I really felt like I could never recommend this no. to anyone, even in that yeah, kind of. Yeah. If you if if you're ludicrously rich and you want to buy one as a second <laughs> device to play around with, not no that one, one wants to buy this thing to play around with. Yeah, I agree. Fair, fair. Uh, mine is also one that I actually reviewed as well, and again, I feel a little bit bad because it's a small company, but it's a really trash phone. Uh, it's the Planet Computers Astro Slide. Oh, I forgot about that one. Um, and. I don't want to dunk on a small company for the sake of it. Uh, it's difficult making hardware when you're an independent, um, but it's just not very good. Um, 
the design is rather bulky. It's the phone uh, listener, if you're unaware, that looks a bit like an old school PDA or like Nokia communicator that you slide out landscape ways to have a full QWERTY keyboard underneath with mechanical buttons. Um, and then you have Android 11, I think. Um, the software had some clever ideas, but it wasn't very well implemented. Uh, it's incredibly big and bulky. It's definitely a secondary device, uh, I would say. Uh, and probably worst of all, uh, there are reports that people who've paid for these uh, on Kickstarter a long time ago still haven't got devices, despite the fact people like me have been given them to review. Wow. I, had to re I have had to return that phone as well. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not even really on sale when they're doing a media campaign around it. So it's at the moment looking pretty dodge um, and it's not very good. Bit of a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two red flags there, I'm afraid. Yeah. Sorry, Planet yeah. Computers. Um, not very good. No. I think for me, uh, I'm going to go for one that I haven't actually reviewed myself, uh, but Dom, you reviewed it. It's the iPhone SE. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The classic, the classic answer. Um, it's just, you know, it's, this is especially after the price hike in October, which takes it up to even more money. Um, I think the only good thing you can say about it is it's got the A15 Bionic in it and 5G. Mm -hmm. Like they are, I think, are the only two real benefits that you'll get. I mean, you've got wireless charging, but nah, I don't really care too much about that. But the downsides, there's a lot of them. Like you've got the dated design, which is literally years old at this point. You know, this this is phone it's a this, decade old. Basically. This is what I mean. This is an old design now, and it's it's instantly as soon as you look at it, you're like God, no, that's just not. It's not <laughs> it's not slapping in 2022. I tell you, um, oh. and it's got that low res display, and it's just small. And, and, and I mean, it is the only one with a home button, but I really don't care about the home button these days. <laughs> I just found, yeah, when I was using it, the screen is so small and you don't really think about it anymore, but actually just software apps aren't being developed no. for that screen size and resolution anymore. And I found, say, Instagram very difficult to use on that phone because the screen yeah. just isn't big enough. It couldn't, some Instagram posts would not fit entirely <laughs> with, on that display, yeah. which... I used it too, and I'm inclined to give the design more leeway than both of you, I think. Uh, and I really like um, the, the slimness and lightness of it. But yeah, yeah as you say... Instagram and then also just like opening a messaging app. Yeah, <laughs> you can't really see any messages when no. the when the <laughs> keyboard is on the screen, uh, and it's also a bigger phone uh, dimension-wise, I believe, than the 13 mini. Yes, uh, it is. Yeah, the 13 mini has an, a quite like an enormous screen in comparison. Yeah, um, and, and the fact that there was the 12 mini means anyone who was seriously considering ESE right now, I'd really say to them, can you find a refurb 12 mini somewhere? Yeah. Because Apple Apple sells them. Yeah, you know, it will probably end up around the same price for a much, much, much better hardware experience. Oh, yeah. And the battery life is pretty shocking as well from what I've heard. So it's yeah. just, yeah, it's not the iPhone that I don't think anyone should buy. Um, like you say, get a refurb older model. Uh, you can get some of some pretty good prices, but stay away from the iPhone SE. All right, let's turn back to good things again. Um, <laughs> let's talk design. Um, that can be both how a phone looks, but also sort of a hand feel, things like that. Um, Good old hand feel. Novel, novel finishes and materials. Um, how about Henry, you go first. I've got a few answers here, so I'm going to wait and see what you guys oh, okay. say and, and see sure. how I feel about which ones are left. Interesting. Yeah, uh, specifically the white Oppo Find X5 Pro. It's ticked off one of my three. I knew, I knew ah. one of them would come up. Yeah. <laughs> A rare ceramic phone, um, yep. so not glass, but uh, very nice to hold. Um, doesn't wait; well, does attract lots of fingerprints, but you can't see them. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's also a very grippy finish as well. 
Um, and I just love the look of that phone. I, I really like the Find X3 Pro still. Yep. I'm actually quite a fan of the Terminator, um, you know, T1000, gloopy, <laughs> yeah, liquid metal. metallic. That's the one. Right? Yeah. Really They've cool. made it all out of one piece of ceramic um, for the new one. And now they've got that white one. I just think it's really classy. And yep. I, I like how it looks. And the screen is also amazing on that phone. Uh, so that'd be my pick. Yeah, I reviewed the the metal finish version, which I liked, but the white is is brilliant looking. Really, really yeah, it's brilliant. cool. It's cool. Lewis, I think I'm going to go with the nothing phone one. I imagine that's probably one of yours, Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Dom. <laughs> I knew this would happen. You picked I mean, three, right? <laughs> yeah. So you got one left. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of obvious as to why I picked that. Like the glyph interface on the back is unique in the market. Um, I like the kind of customization that you get from it, and just the small little things like you know when you plug it in, you get the little lights on the back that light up and display the charge and stuff like that. Um, it's just. I think it's just got more character than a lot of, especially in the mid-range, a lot of mid-range phones in 2022. Um, so yeah, that's my pick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had both of those <laughs> down on my shortlist. The Nothing Phone one for me, like I don't love, love, love the design, but I love how different the design is. Yeah. Love and that I, it, I love they that did it. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Yeah. It doesn't entirely work for me, but it's great that they did push the boat out there. Um, did, you, did you review the white or the black one out of interest? I had a black model i think yeah i think you yeah. did yeah nice yeah. um i liked them both i think i kept actually going back and forth on which color i preferred so i don't have a, a clear <laughs> preference but that, that's as good things so that i'd keep thinking like, i prefer the black then you'd see a white one and go oh i don't know quite actually. nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i had both of those down i then do have a third. I, I toyed briefly with just being really boring and saying the Z Flip 4 again, because I think it has a great design, but in fairness, it's the same design as last year, yeah. so I think it's a bit, yeah, you know, yeah. they haven't done anything new, but still, it's Ace. I love it. Um, I've got the Asus Zenfone 9 as my other one. Nice. Because yeah. it is a compact phone, which I love. They managed to nail the compact design without compromising on things like performance or even battery life, which is the thing that really blew me away. Um, but it's also just an interesting design in the way they've handled it. They've got the sort of the two large circular cameras on the rear where they have these little kind of triangular accent details around them. They've got that finish that's in this almost papery plastic that makes it really grippy and has a, a feel that is completely unique to my mind, at least. I've never used a mm -hmm. phone that has that that feel. And they had a really nice range of colors that it came in. I, I I had a white model and then a blue one. And particularly, I loved the shade of blue it was, but there was also a, a red that looked really great. Um, just a really, really fantastic looking phone that looks quite different to anything else. The big caveat is anyone who watched my review video at the time will remember I had problems with the white model picking up some staining on so something about that finish was going wrong. I was told at the time that was a what sort of pre-production sample problem. I've not had big problems about that since. Uh, I've not gone out to research really too much. But yeah. I had, we've had a couple of YouTube comments from other people saying they've had a little bit of that problem on theirs. So I do feel like maybe this is a sort of a first-gen finish and it's not quite there and it's a little susceptible to picking up sweat stains or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I really hope they can refine that and do a, an even better Gen 2 because I love the way it feels, I love the way it looks, and it's a really snazzy, different-looking phone. They're missing a trick if they don't call the next one the Asus 10 phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll get you in touch with them, see if we can sell that. Thank you. Uh, okay, let's turn to camera. Uh, best camera setup of the year. I am going to go first because I think everyone knows my answer is the Vivo X80 Pro for me. Nice. Um, 
It's just so versatile. It's just so versatile. <laughs> Four lenses on the back. Four in this economy. Um, yeah, I love it. I'm I'm very excited about the X90. You were speaking that last week, but you know I'm looking ahead to next year. I, I think that's going to be great. But for me, the X30 Pro has killed it this year. It is when I went on a trip and needed a phone with a great camera. That is the one I immediately grabbed for and thought that will be the one I want to take. I love that. All of the lenses are fantastic. I think the only one I'd have any drawbacks on is the the five times telephoto, which I think is good, but I'm very aware it's not the best of its kind. And if you if you looked at particularly the S22 Ultra, if you grab that, I think that kind of wins in those stakes. But I think there are probably other telephotos out there that, that beat this one a little bit. But for all the other lenses, the ultra wide, the main camera, and, and the two times kind of portrait lens, slight zoom, I would say this the Vivo contains either the best of its example or one that is in the conversation about being the best yeah. of its example. Um, <laughs> and then the fact that it's low light performance, I think, is genuinely un unmatched. Um, it, even sort of the Xiaomi 12S Ultra's big one-inch sensor, which we're going to see loads of over the next year, I think even there it doesn't quite match what, what Vivo achieved with their combination of stabilization and the, the Zeiss T-star coating that they use and just their software calibration stuff around that, around night mode. It blows me away every time I take a low-light photo with this phone and forget just how good it is. What do you reckon, Lewis? I'm, this one was a hard one for me, I think, because uh, you know, I've looked at like the iPhone 14 Pro Max and the S22 Ultra, so I've seen quite a few decent cameras this year. But the one that really sticks with me is the Oppo Find X5 Pro. Uh, and I didn't mm -hmm. review this initially, but I got access to it uh, on a trip, and I got to keep it for a month or two, and I was playing around with it, and I just love that camera. And I think and in particular, it is the low-light performance of that that just really makes it. Like um, on this trip we went to... Um, we went to well, it was basically we did like a tour of London at night, and we could take you know really push it to its limits. And I just captured some shots that I know I could never capture on like an iPhone or anything like that. Um, so yeah, that's the one that kind of just lives. And then combined with that, obviously that really nice design that comes with it. It's just a really nice phone in general, but the camera quality for me is just is up there. It definitely helps with that phone that the camera also looks good. It does. I I like the X80 Pro, but yeah. it's such a shame that to get that great camera performance, you have to have quite an unattractive <laughs> camera module, which is the same problem with like the Xiaomi or something. Oppo struck a great balance of finding a way to do the best camera they could do without messing up their design language and yeah, the process. Completely so good goes to them on that. What about you, Henry? Uh I, I also had a couple on the shortlist. The X80 Pro was on my shortlist. It wasn't my final choice, but yes, the low light pictures are insanely good. Um, and I know that I've got my SIM card in an iPhone 13 mini at the moment. Um, <laughs> and we're lucky boys that we get to play around with lots of phones. But I, I don't like the cameras on that phone particularly. It's not great. I just, I just hate going around these gigantic slabs that were on my shortlist. Mm -hmm. um, but my eventual pick is the same as what I think the best phone of the year is, the Pixel 7 Pro is the phone when I use, it's the phone that makes me take pictures the most, maybe slightly, even slightly more than the Vivo. Okay. When I've, when I've got the iPhone in my pocket, I don't take that many photos. But when I got the Pixel, maybe it's because it makes me a better photographer because <laughs> <laughs> not, not like my skill, but because the post-processing, I really happen to like that. I know a lot of people probably don't like how contrasty the Pixel shots come out as, but I like the fact that they look a little bit grainy, a little bit like film in some cases. And when I've, I, I sort of, you know, took it to a wedding and some of the shots I got from that, uh, the versatility of the camera, uh, the, the zoom lens, sorry, um, and the main lens is just so good. And 
also the stuff that Google chucks in, like face unblur, also saved a lot of photos from um, being unusable as well. So for me, that's the one I would pick. And the skin tone tech is really on point as well, uh, much yep. more than a lot of others compared. Very true. Apple does do that as well, I believe. But yeah, uh, the fact that they've got that so that, as you say, Lewis, rather than um, processing the entire image into a certain hue, they pick out skin and, and, and keep that the correct color, but then do everything else is, uh, is very clever. All right, we will start rattling through these a little bit quicker, I think. We're, yeah. we're, we've got <laughs> we always say it's going to be a, a short on one. List, but yeah. we are <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at this list and there's still a lot left we're to go. We're not even at the halfway point yet. <laughs> um, I'm going to jump slightly ahead on the list, so we are going to dart back. But just um, yeah. while we're sort of sticking with phone stuff, I think this is the last core, definitely only about phones question. Mm -hmm. um, what is the phone that you wish you'd been the one to review Ooh. or you wish you'd gotten the chance to use? Uh, but that someone else on the team managed to hog? Uh, mine is kind of a split. Uh, it's basically, I just want to review a clamshell foldable. So whether it's the Razer, the Z Flip 4, or Z Flip 4, any of them, you know, the P50 Pocket, I don't really care. I just want to try like a flip, like a, you know, a clamshell foldable. It's not this, the only kind of one that I haven't had a go at yet. And it's just the one for me, you know, as, as having a Razer back in the day, that's, that really just does appeal to me. So, uh, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> Choice. Emery? Uh iPhone 14 Pro or Pro Max. I reviewed both of the other iPhones, uh, and good as they were, I didn't. I've not yet used a phone for even a day with the Dynamic Island. And so you want, want, to you want see, a trip to the island? I want a trip <laughs> to the island. Uh, yeah, I, I've reviewed a 13 Pro before, so I know all about the, how good ProMotion is. The uh, 120 hertz, but yeah, I want to use Dynamic Island, and I also want to try that 48 megapixel uh, main camera as well. Spicy boy. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Mine is uh, a phone. Lewis has already mentioned the Oppo Find N. I've yep. gotten to review a few foldables. I always love them. That is the one that I got to play with once at a trade show. Thought, wow, this is amazing. I had it for all of 30 seconds and fell in love. <laughs> and then uh, Lewis was that little bit faster on like putting his trigger finger on Slack to say, I'll do it, when the review <laughs> offer came in. Uh, so we're, I, we're a democracy at Tech Advisor. Yeah. <laughs> so I was always a little jealous that I... Uh, it was one of those times where I thought, do I pull rank? <laughs> do I... <laughs> Put my foot down. No, Lewis. Actually, I will take the find. I think you'll find. It's uh, the one that no. got away. <laughs> that one. That one looked very tempting. So you know, I'll be trying to get one of the new ones. Uh, okay. Biggest surprise of the year. Oh yes. Um, Open I'm, to interpretation. This one. Yeah. yeah. This doesn't have to be specifically hardware. It could be a bit broader. Mine was. I don't know if this was particularly rumored beforehand, and I just missed it. But. Um, Apple doing its darndest to kill off the physical SIM card Yeah. with the iPhone 14s. Yeah. I did not really see that coming. And obviously, we're not there yet. And it'll be a you know little process before they go. But I wasn't expecting them to just come out and say, no physical SIMs for the States. We're done with that nonsense. <laughs> Must be a real pain for reviewers in particular who's changed change phones awful. a lot. Yeah. No, yeah, they read uh, that coming over here. Yeah. Our, our colleague David is using an, a US 14 Pro. And I believe he had to call up the uh his operator and get yeah. them to sort it Ooh. i think so yeah yeah so that's it's not it's not all on device yet for people over here but i okay. believe in the states you can do it uh, uh my biggest surprise <laughs> is actually a phone that i reviewed and i liked more than i thought i would and it's genuinely one i would recommend uh the sony xperia 5 mark 4 oh yeah um Particularly with the context that uh, I used, even though I didn't review it, I also got to use the uh, One Mark IV and was a bit disappointed with that phone um, for various reasons. But the Five Mark IV just has everything, um, including a high-res headphone jack. What well on Sony? Nice. So that was my that was my nice surprise that I would genuinely uh, recommend that phone. Yeah, 
Lewis? Uh, for me, I think I'm going to go with the Nokia X30 5G. Um, oh, yeah. Because the Nokia X20 last year was just, it missed the mark by quite a lot. It had quite, a, you know, just like a bland design. The cameras were fine, but, you know, it's, it's that camera bump where they put the crappy cameras on with a fine main camera. Um, the performance was just under par compared to the competition. So I thought, well, when I saw the X30 uh, being offered reviews, I was like, well, it's going to be much of the same. But to my surprise, they've actually worked on it. I feel like it's a new step. In, it's a step in the right direction for Nokia. Um, like they've got a much more updated design. The camera bump looks great. Uh, the performance is up there with, uh, you know, it's comparable to kind of the Nothing Phone 1 and the OnePlus 2T, uh, Nord 2T. Um, and the camera has had a real improvement despite the uh, ending of the relationship with Leica. Is it Leica? I think it was Leica with Nokia, wasn't it? Um, Zeiss? Zeiss. Zeiss, that was the one, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that partnership is there no more. So there was some assumption that the cameras weren't going to be as good. But if anything, they're much better now than when they were. Uh, especially when it comes to low light, that was a particular surprise for me. Funny. Um, so yeah, that's a, it's a solid phone. And I think it's for the first time I can say that it's a genuine competitor to like the top end at the top mid ranges in the market and i don't think i'd ever say that about any other nokia nice what about your biggest disappointment lewis oh the, the screws a little disappointment um i think i'm gonna have to go with the galaxy z fold uh z fold four not the flip mm -hmm. the fold um you don't you dare my, my <laughs> beloved flip. <laughs> take, take its name out of your mouth <laughs> uh, so yeah i think the hard you know the hardware's fine and it's just it's a nice bit of kit but the lack of competition in the West means that Samsung doesn't really have to try. So like there's still there's still little niggles with it, like the gap in the middle of the displays. And for the amount of time that Samsung has had this form factor, like, you know, it's longer than any other company's had it. I was expecting a more polished software experience more than anything. Um, Android 12L does help a little bit. Um, and Samsung has tried its darndest to uh, get apps to work on that big internal display. But there is such a long way to go on that front. It's not quite there yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so very expensive, but not quite as productive as you want it to be. Mm -hmm. What about you, Henry? Uh, Apple killed the iPhone mini. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Big disappointment. I thought we were on a, a beautiful path to the <laughs> mini, pro, mini pro phone, Ooh. Uh, which would have been ridiculous with the camera module taking up the entire back of the phone. <laughs> um, yep. I, uh, the, the 14 plus is a powerhouse uh amazing battery life but it's too big and i missed the small phone which is why i'm using last year's yep i get that i considered a similar kind of thought i actually have ended up similarly on apple though which is on the iphone 14 and kind of 14 plus um disappointing for me <laughs> i i didn't review them and i also didn't review any of the pros this year so that's the big caveat it comes from an kind of on paper perspective yeah. um the pros look great a, lo a lot of what they've done with the pros on a camera perspective on the dynamic island the design changes you know that looks great to me I look at the regular 14 in particular and there's so little that's changed from the 13 yeah. that I just can't fathom recommending anyone buy that phone when the 13 is on sale for less. And I would always just for anyone yeah. asking about new iPhone saying, unless you're going pro, yeah. buy the 13. It's oh, there. I was, it's I was the thinking same about phone. this. Yeah. The only, the, basically you're saying if you, you save a hundred pounds and sacrifice one year possibly of software support. Yeah. Yeah, which most people won't stick with them for that long for. No. If you know you're someone who's going to hold onto the phone for five, six years, okay, sure, maybe that's got value to it. Otherwise, no, I, I can't imagine recommending the 14 over the 13. No. Um, okay, back back on a, a positive note. Uh, similar to Bigger Surprise, but what is the most improved 
Uh, that could be a company that's turned its fortunes around or a particular phone line that had a rubbish one last year and it stepped up this time. Uh, Lewis, what do you got? I'm going to say Motorola, specifically at their top end of the yep. market. Um, they kind of ignored it for a few years. And then last year, they started kind of coming back with like the Edge phones. And oh, I think it was last year or the year before. Anyway. Um, but they've kind of come from strength to strength in the last kind of year or so. And, and then you've also got the foldable, you've got the new Razer. Um, so I think that, you know, they, they tried, they've still got a solid mid-range um, grasp on the market. But uh, I like the fact that they're now kind of returning to the high end and giving that top end experience to consumers because it is, yeah. And I love their software as well. It's just so clean yeah. compared to some manufacturers. So that's definitely a plus for them. I'm really glad you said that because I've been trying to find a way to talk about the Edge 30 Ultra and all of this. And it's been like the also <laughs> ran in loads of my little thoughts along the way. Yeah. Yeah. But that was almost my biggest surprise because I, I loved that phone and really didn't expect it. But yeah, I agree. They've really stepped up there. Um, I, I had two two of my most improved. One, just quickly, the Asus Zenfone. I've already spoken about why I like that a lot. But the Zenfone 8 is a very generic device other than being small. And the Zenfone 9, they really stepped into their own space and, yeah. and carved out a distinctness that they really lacked before and that's really great to see um but my bigger one actually is, is snapdragon um specifically the snapdragon 8 where the snapdragon 8 gen 1 yeah. was a fine chip with serious overheating problems and bad battery life and mm -hmm. every snapdragon 8 gen 1 phone had some sort of issues and then the 8 plus gen 1 came out and just fixed all of those yeah and to see that six month turnaround which is Probably just because they switched from Samsung to TSMC Foundry, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But wow, the 8 Plus Gen 1 just solved all of the issues with that. And that first, I remember that first wave of 8 Plus phones coming out and being like, wow, do they all have battery life yeah. like this? You know, And none yeah. of them get hot when you're using them? What's going on? That really was the thing, wasn't it? Is that battery efficiency that was that really stood out uh, with the yeah. 8 Plus Gen 1. Like just felt like overnight Android phone battery at the flagship end just doubled. Much better. Uh, for yeah. me, uh, two, two, but it kind of makes sense. Uh, Vivo, uh, just because my experience of using the X80 Pro mm -hmm. with what I believe is UK ROM, uh, so much better than the one that's stuffed with bloatware. Uh, but also their um, subsidiary iQ. Mm -hmm. I reviewed and the iQ Neo 6, which I presume nobody's heard of. Nope. Uh, but, I was <laughs> <laughs> but I was pleasantly surprised uh, the combination of the hardware uh, and the software, which is FunTouch, uh, just like Vivo, much improved. And I think that's a brand that, uh, yeah, I, th I think that they're going places. But again, I, when we review them, we review, I think, either Indonesian maybe or like Hong Kong units. Yeah. Um, and they are getting better. Uh, but uh, I, I would look forward to them improving even more because um, the price is very good and the specs are generally, they generally match uh, Vivo's flagships uh, at the higher end, but for a great price. Um, so I, I can see them improving quite a lot, which is yep. good to see. Cool. All right, let's turn to software for a little bit. So let's start off with best app, a single piece of software that has changed your life this year. <laughs> I really struggle. Uh, Lewis, I can see you struggling. So I, why honestly, don't you go first? I was stuck. Let's watch you squirm. I'm. Uh, if you don't say TikTok, you're lying. I know. <laughs> if it was going to be most used app, then it would definitely be TikTok. Um, but I was trying to think because, like, I'm quite boring on my phone these days. Like, I used, to, you know, when I was younger, I'd, I'd download all sorts of apps and give them a go and see what's what. But now I'm just so stuck in my ways, and I just use the official apps for basically everything. The one exception that I found is Carrot Weather for iPhone. Which is, I, I downloaded it years ago. Like when it was, I've had it for years. It's genuinely my favorite 
weather app like um it's highly customizable they had an update this year which basically overhauled the entire app and lets you customize the weather interface however you like uh it's got a bit of sass which i like as well as these little sarky comments whenever you open the app and there's like achievements and stuff like that so like you can you have to like find places on a map and then you get achievements for it and you get like achievements for using it for years and I'm, i think i'm up to like five year streak on mine so I'm, I'm, I'm up there on my achievements so it's just it's a really interesting take on what should be a very boring app. And do you pay the subscription as well? Because I, I, I paid for it for a little while and then I couldn't justify it anymore, even though I did like it. I'm quite lucky because I bought it years ago when it was just a one-off. Uh, yeah. So when they switched to the subscription model, they let you carry on using it. There are a few features that are locked, but most of it I can still access. So yeah. Nice, nice, nice. What about uh, you, I, I do have one that genuinely has changed how I use my phone uh, and the other apps that I use on my phone. My app of the year for me is an app called Libby. Okay. And it's uh, an app where you can, as long as you have a library card, a participating library, mm-hmm. you can check out ebooks on your phone like you would uh, check out books at a library. Oh, that's oh. cool. And that it's good. really good. So basically, uh, in the past two months, I actually have not had Twitter on my phone. And instead, I've been reading books. What? <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> on, Scandalous. On my phone. Don't and the other thing is on. as well, <laughs> I know. The other thing is as well, I'm also a fan of the Kobo e-readers. Yeah. And one of the major advantages they have over Kindles is they have uh, integration with Overdrive. And Overdrive is the company that uh, also makes the Libby app. Right, okay. So what you can do, you can use your phone uh, to reserve and place holds on books at your library. Uh, and it basically works, I believe, that if they have bought, the library has, say, bought 10 copies of, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, then there'll be 10 ebooks of that available. So you can't have unlimited things. You still have to, like, have hold and renew and stuff like that. Uh, and so then I can either read it on my phone or it can also sync up to my e-reader as well and syncs pages in between them. Nice. So I've just been reading a ton more because yeah. of an app that makes books way more accessible and uh, free. That's great. Yeah, 10 out of 10. My choice is much lower brow, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, I'm a bit like Lewis. I use my phone in a very boring ways. And I was sort of looking through my apps and I was like, there is no app on here that I didn't have on here 12 <laughs> yeah. months ago. You know, oh, right. <laughs> other than like the airline app I had to install for check-in yeah. last month. Um, so, you know, I, I toyed with the brief shout out to, you know, the, the Delta check-in app, but actually it sucked. Um, <laughs> so instead, uh, I have gone for Marvel Snap the digital card game and i am not a phone gamer i never play games on my phone yeah and then one of my friends was raving about it i knew i had this trip and you know you travel and i was gonna have little bits of dead time standing around at the airport waiting for your luggage that kind of thing perfect time to try a new phone game it has slightly consumed my life since (laughs) installing it i've not even heard of it what is it it's from one of the guys who developed Hearthstone, the uh, Blizzard card game. But it is one of those collectible card games. You build a deck, you play, but it's all designed around the mobile experience. It's very fast-paced. Each game is just six rounds, so like, a whole game will play what, out in snap. a minute or two. Um, and, yeah, you're just playing out Marvel superheroes over these sort of locations. But it's got that great kind of compelling addictive feedback loop where you're always racking up points of some sort or another, upgrading cards. When you upgrade them, the big boomy deep voice tells you you've upgraded them and made them shiny or whatever. It's all very satisfying. And you get new cards with new heroes. I think I'm going to have to go Um, and download this. You're making it sound great. (laughs) It's very compelling. It's become now this sort of terrible... First thing in the morning, last thing at Ooh. night routine of just in bed, just uh, just, a, just just a couple rounds of snap before I get to sleep. That'll be fine. <laughs> uh, okay, 
What about overall Android experiences? Which OEM do we think is putting out the best software on an Android phone? Um, I've actually changed my answer while we've been doing this because okay. Lewis made me think of it. I initially just kind of lazily just thought, or maybe not lazily, but I, I was just sort of thinking of the Pixel, yeah. Pixel Google experience because that is so great. Uh, but Lewis is probably to think, actually, you know, it's the Motorola. It is. Pixel, mo not Pixel, but the Motorola experience that I love. Uh, it's sort of like stock, but the improvements they put in are great. And I particularly fell in love with the uh, shortcuts on the lock screen to read and yes. even respond to notifications without ever unlocking your phone. That genuinely changed how I use my phone <laughs> while I was reviewing the Edge 30 Ultra, and I have missed it on every other device I've been using. Yeah, I think I was I was I was going to go say the exact same. I love the clean experience and just I love the moto actions. The moto actions for me are what make it the kind of chop to turn the camera on, uh, to turn the flash on, and just twist to turn the camera. And those, those kind of things, like you know, uh, they might seem gimmicky to some people, but if you do take the time to work them into your routine, I think they are genuinely quite helpful. Um, uh, and then just for an actual kind of in your face skin, I'd say Oxygen OS is is come along a long way. Uh, it's a lot nicer to use than it once was. Um, but yeah, I think Moto is stealing it for me as well. Yeah, the Moto uh, lock screen stuff is really great. But my pick, along with a controversial hot take, is that my favorite Android skin is Samsung's One UI. Ooh. I don't tend to use a Samsung phone because I don't really like their hardware for the past couple of years. Funny. Mm. The last I'm the other way around with them. Yeah, I love their hardware. I don't hate One UI, but it's Definitely not my yeah, favorite. No. I, I absolutely loved the hardware and software of the S10 Plus. That's the last Samsung phone I really thought was a 1010 uh, in terms of both of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I also used for a long time the S21 Ultra. So I got really got to know One UI. And there were lots of little things about that that I really liked. For instance, and again, pretty niche, but it's how you use your phone, right? Um, <laughs> being able to press and hold on a notification on the lock screen and pull it down to see everything within that notification. Oh, cool. It's, surpri it's surprising how many um, Android skins do not do that. <laughs> you can just like pull it open to peek at it and then close it again. I, no one else does that. And it's I, I really miss it. And um, there are lots of little things that they do that I actually really like. And you can kind of use the Google apps instead anyway. So you're not stuck with Samsung messages. But I just, I, I, the S22 Ultra is an amazing phone, but I just, I'm not a fan of the big design. So yeah. I don't tend to use a Samsung phone at the moment, but I do think One UI is the one I would pick. Interesting. Nice. Okay. We're going to wrap through. I think I'm going <laughs> to skip a couple that we got here and get toward the finale. Um, <laughs> what is the best non-phone you've used this, this year? Any other kind of tech Ooh. category can be very broad. But what's your favorite thing you've used that wasn't a smartphone? Uh, I'm going to say the AirPods Pro 2. They, mm. are, they are the thing that I use a lot. You know, since they came out, they are basically all I use to listen to music on my phone. Um, you know, the music quality has improved. It's still not the best, you know, let's be real. But what is the best is the ANC and transparency modes. Like they, especially the ANC, I can hand on heart say they are the only in-ear earbuds that I've ever used on the Victoria line, which goes up to, you know, 90 decibels plus at some point. It's on that screechy <laughs> ass train. Uh, it's the only one that I've, uh, the only earbuds that I've used that I don't have to crank them up to maximum volume just to drown it out. Uh, so that's just a huge winner for me. Mine is actually really similar. Uh, competing 
ANC earbuds. Oh, my, no. my my favorite non phone product of the year is the Bose QC earbuds two. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose we both have not used the competing. Yeah, products, that's the problem. I would say they have the best noise cancellation of any earbud. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely that. astounding. Um, I'm wearing these Sony's at the moment, and I would say they only buy a, a hair. Uh, have better noise cancellation than the earbuds, which I think is insane. Wow. Uh, have you tried yours on the Victoria line, though? Uh, I've definitely tried them on the tube, and it drowns out a lot of screeching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the Vicky line. Uh, and then the other thing they have is um, slightly different to the transparency mode. They ha- and I can't remember what it's called because Bose calls it something silly. But basically, you can have the transparency mode on on the earbuds. And say you're walking along a busy road and a, an ambulance blares past. The software is clever enough to take down the sound of the, uh, the, the siren or whatever the noise is but keep the other transparency and your awareness around you. It was like the only time this year that I've used something and I've like had to s- stop in my tr- literally in my tracks <laughs> and be like, what is going on? <laughs> so that would be my pick. And the sound quality is amazing. So nice. yeah, yep. that does sound a bit like magic. I have not gone for a pair of noise cancelling earbuds, <laughs> but I did consider the Galaxy Buds Pro. So we nearly <laughs> ended up with a, a, a trifecta. Um, I went for the Xiaomi Pad 5, which I raved about oh, a nice. while ago. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's it's a it's an affordable Android tablet. It's not a flagship product. It's not super high end. It only costs a few hundred euros or mm-hmm. a few hundred pounds. Um, but it's the only tablet out that I really used and felt okay. This is giving Apple real competition in the price band it's in. Yeah. That if someone had you know three hundred fifty four hundred pounds to spend and they wanted a tablet and they were platform agnostic. I would genuinely tell them, hey, actually give this one a real look. Stack it up against the, the comparable iPad. Whereas at almost any other price point, even you know, compared to the Tab S8s or whatever, yeah. you'd kind of always say, well, buy the iPad at that price, unless there's a real reason you don't want an iPad. And yeah. then, okay, yeah, there's some Android options. Here they are. Mm. Um, but the Xiaomi Pad 5 made me go, you know what? If you've got a few hundred to spend and you want a tablet, this outspecs the equivalent iPad in every regard has some software drawbacks because it's Android and especially because it's Xiaomi. But, you know, the hardware strengths sort of balance out the software weaknesses and leaves it feeling to me like a very, very, very impressive piece of tech um, at that price point and one that I was a really big fan of. Good choice. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think we're going to wrap up on this last one then, um, which is one of Henry's suggestions. So you can tell us what you mean by the wording. But the best (laughs) niche tech product i was oh, hoping right. you'd ask that one i've got one for yeah <laughs> it's, only, it's only because i have an answer that i, that I suggested yeah. this question i thought i had it on the desk but i don't uh, so um i reviewed this uh when i was living in new zealand for some publications and given the uh, nature of it i think i'm going to review it for tech advisor as well and it's the light phone 2 mm-hmm. it's a minimalist e-ink Smart, uh, no, no, not smartphone. It's a phone, like the size of a credit card, uh, made by a startup in New York, and all it can do basically is call and text. Um, but they, I like the philosophy around it. I do admit that it's quite pretentious. It costs about three hundred dollars for something that you can get a ten pound Alcatel phone yeah. from Argos. But I like the idea around it that they, it came out in twenty eighteen or nineteen, and the idea is that. You keep it for several years and they add software onto it, which you control through a, like a, a portal. So uh, it only came out with call text and alarm, I think. But now you don't have to have them all on your phone as well because the idea is that you don't want to be on this phone because yep. texting is a nightmare. <laughs> um, and you can also now add podcasts using an RSS feed, uh, MP3 music, uh, very rudimentary directions tool and a couple of other things. 
Um, and when I had my SIM card in it, which I'm probably going to do to myself again in the new year, bit of a digital Ooh. detox. Um, you, you don't have to be in all those WhatsApp groups. That's what that's what it's trying to tell you. Um, <laughs> so that's my favorite niche piece of tech because it generally you, you don't want to use your phone basically because your phone's not very good. Um, that's so that interesting. Would my, that that would be my pick. I'll, I'll I'll bring it in. I'll show you. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that actually. Um, I think I'm going to go with what I have in my hand right now. It's the Ember mug. Hey, <laughs> I love this thing so much. I've used as it as featured throughout the year in this podcast. <laughs> Honestly, I've been using this all year since I got got it and to have a look at. It, I've used it literally every single day, multiple times a day, and it's just so. Yeah, for people that don't know what the Ember mug is, um, it essentially just keeps your tea hot. Um, I've got the big one, which holds a lot of tea. Um, <laughs> it's the official measure. It's got a lot of tea or a little. It's got tea. a lot of tea in it. Put a lot of tea in that one. Uh, I think it's sixteen ounces, like two hundred something milliliters. Anyway, um, uh, and it's just—it's really nice. It's a nice design, and I like the fact that you can plonk it on the coaster, and it's always on. Essentially, you don't have to really worry about battery life. And even if you do take it off the coaster, you've still got between sixty and ninety minutes where it will keep your tea nice. Or well, not just tea, you know. But I'm just a tea drinker, so it's tea for me. And then you've also got the app where you can actually really nail down what temperature you want. It's just such a niche thing, which I thought is great for this little segment. Um, but it's just, it's the bit of tech that I don't think I would miss the most out of everything I reviewed this year. So that's my choice. I loved the Ember that I used to keep in the office. I haven't found it fits my working from home lifestyle yeah. as much maybe. But uh, when I had it in the office, I was a huge Ember fan. So good. Um, I have gone for something I haven't had the chance to use myself okay. and i probably never will but it's in that category of well if money were no object and also probably if like living space were no object <laughs> um but the lg styler shoe care that they showed <laughs> off earlier this year uh, which is a little set of st like steam cleaning boxes for your shoes oh, where like you that. can store and display <laughs> all of your shoes while they're all being sort of refreshed and deodorized and, and kept in good nick, protected from the elements while on display. And I'm not really like a sneakerhead or anything. I don't have a shoe collection. But, you know, I currently just like chuck my shoes in the cupboard. And yeah. kind of they're in a pile near the door and yeah. they're all, all over the place. And I'd yeah. love to have this. I, I have visions of this beautiful life in the future where I'm hideously <laughs> rich. And I have this dedicated, luxurious, lit up shoe storage that's deodorizing everything I own. And, and it just feels like this this perfect vision of, of, of the better life that tech and an awful lot of money could bring me. Do we know how much that costs? I can't remember. I don't think I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good answer. A number that will make me sad. That is how much. Okay, I think that will do us for now. That has been our look back at 2022. A, a busy, big year for phones. I think there were a lot of sort of incremental updates in some some product lines, but there's been some cool stuff this year. Um, obviously excited about next year too. We will be back next week. Next week will be our final Fast Charge episode of the year. We are sort of hoping to have a Xiaomi 13 launch to talk about by then. <laughs> Maybe, fingers crossed, there'll be some new phones. Maybe. Uh, so we might be talking about that. We'll probably also be looking forward at what to expect from next year and uh, maybe making some predictions that we can live or die by as the year <laughs> rolls on. Uh, until then, thank you to everyone for watching and listening. Thank you, Henry Lewis, for joining me. And yeah, if you're on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. It really does help. If you're listening to us on a podcasting app, leave us a little review. It all makes a difference. All right. Bye, Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.